Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. We're excited to kick off another year of podcasts here at the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. And we're really excited for today because it's the release of the 2018 eFields report. And Elizabeth and the Precision Ag team were kicking butt last month to get all of the trials in. And it's twice the size as last year. It's quite a bit bigger, a lot more information. <laughs> yeah, so it's really, um, it looks amazing, has tons of information. Um, so share some of the stats with us. Elizabeth. Yeah. This is the most exciting thing to happen since Christmas. <laughs> so we're very excited to share with you guys. Um, this year we grew from 39 trials to 95. Wow. And those trials are located across 25 different counties in Ohio. The total trial area was over 5,600 acres. So if you've got a field with something weird going on, we probably have a trial location that looks similar. <laughs> And we're excited to share the information from all these trials this yeah, year. I think that's great that you guys are able to cover so much of Ohio and condense it into one area to so wherever you're at, you can find something that relates to you. Yeah, and we're so excited about the partner farmers that we work with because none of this would be possible without their help. And it's great to see they're just as excited about this report as we are. So this year, our trials cover lots of different areas. Some of the highlights are we have trials looking at precision seeding, so seeding rate trials that could help inform variable rate seeding decisions. Since nutrient management is always a big issue in Ohio, we have lots of trials looking at nutrient placement, whether that be nitrogen or phosphorus, even starter fertilizer. So there's all sorts of interesting things there. Um, We've looked at some fungicide trials this year, talking about precision crop management. There's even some things covering remote sensing. So it's a good range. It's 194 pages. (laughs) Someone will be able to find, everyone will be able to find something to look at. So if you want to check out the report, it's available both in print and an e-version. The print version, you can stop into your local extension office to request a copy, or you could email us at digitalag at osu.edu, and we'll see when we can link up and get you a print copy. If you'd like to download the e-version, it is available at go.osu.edu slash efields. Great, and we'll put those links in our description so they can find them easy. can't remember. So there's some new things in there that we're pretty excited about that weren't in last year's report, and one of those is the, the economic analysis. Amanda, you, you did a lot of the work on that. Would you like to share some information? Yeah, I always think this is important. Um, You guys may catch on to that as I mention it throughout some of our podcasts. But we really wanted to see um, what the economic value was alongside yield because that's a huge component of making decisions. So we were able to do these for the seeding rate trials as well as some of the nitrogen trials. And in the book, we explain what we used. Most of the numbers were pulled from the enterprise budgets that Barry Ward puts together. Um, And so, for example, um, corn seed cost was $3.50 per 1,000 seeds. Um, Soybean cost was 
$0.42 cents per 1,000 seeds. Um, nitrogen cost, we used uh, $0.30 cents per pound, sorry. And then what we've done also is included a calculator that you can go online and download and use for your specific farm. So depending on, say, what seeding rate you wanted to use, it may not, you may not find exactly the same situation in the trials that we have, but you can go on, download the calculator, change any of the numbers that you need to, um, or keep the numbers that we used and see what your return above seed um, dollars per acre would be in a certain trial. And that's at go.osu.edu slash econ calculator. So it's just an Excel spreadsheet, pretty simple to use. And then throughout the book, we've um, done those calculations for the different trials that I mentioned. So you can easily see what the yield differences were and then look at what the economic difference might have been. One more new thing we added this year. I know sometimes I get bored when I sit and read for a long time. So for some of the trials, there's a QR code on the pages that you can scan with your the camera on your phone and it'll take you to a video and those videos feature the educator and the partner farmer working on that trial talking about the results and oftentimes showing the equipment they used. So I think that's a neat change up from just looking at words on the paper. Yeah, those are really well put together. Now let's talk to some of the people who were boots on the ground actually implementing these trials. Our first guest with us today is Chris Soler. He is an extension educator for Ag and Natural Resources in Tuscaroras County and he's been participating in e-fields for two years. Welcome, Chris. Hello, thank you. So Chris, could you talk a little bit about why you decided to get involved with e-fields? Sure, I've, uh, I've always enjoyed working directly one-on-one -on -one with farmers uh, out in the fields and directly on their farms. And so this provides a great opportunity to do that and I've got some farmers who uh, have expressed interest in that and are willing to help you know, with that project and to support the research that OSU Extension does. So tell us what trials you participated in this year. I've done the seeding rate trials for both corn and soybeans. Do you have anything from those trials that you've learned over the last two years that you'd like to share? Probably the biggest thing that has come out of those seeding rate trials is the soybeans and uh, the cooperators have, have said this and others that uh, the information has been shared with is that for so long they've been told to seed at X number per acre and our results not only locally but across the entire program are showing that they can reduce that seeding rate and with prices, money prices where they are today that's an option and one of the things we've talked about this winter in a couple of meetings is that if you're looking at ways to reduce costs, you can reduce that seeding rate, uh, reduce that cost and hopefully improve the bottom line. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite trials because when you look at those results across the state, um, the recommendation that Ohio State Extension has put out that 100,000 seeds per acre for soybeans, as long as you have that established stand, um, you don't really have much risk of yield reduction and the results across the state that we've been seeing really just back up that result. Um, and we even see some locations where when the stand is below 
60 or 70,000 plants per acre, we're still maintaining the same yield potential that higher seeding rates provide. So I think that's a really interesting thing that I'm excited to investigate further is how do we manage that risk, but also yeah, take advantage of that cost savings. That's right. I know this year, uh, one of the cooperators, he mentioned that um, the higher seeding rates were showing some greater disease in those plots. And so the question was, you know, is it because there's more plants or was it just something that, that happened just this year? But, you know, so a question they have is if we reduce that seeding rate, would we reduce the potential for disease in those plants as well? So it's something else to look at. Yeah, that's another great point to make um, because I've seen that as well, uh, especially in some areas in Champaign County where they deal with white mold spreading those beans out to 30-inch rows, but maybe sticking with um, 15 but reducing your population could work as well too. And it was interesting also this year as we were harvesting, um, I was with looking at the iPad as we're going across the fields, um, his question was, are you seeing any difference in yields? Um, and you know, my comment at the time was, no, not really. And what we've seen, the results we've seen this year did show that there wasn't a significant difference in yield based on population. So again, another opportunity to reduce the cost and hopefully improve the bottom line. Yeah, that's so critical um, with the current situation we're in with prices today. I mentioned the economics portion earlier, and that's really why we wanted to add that because, and it's not always just about yield, it's economics too. And, you know, we continue to push that, and I think a lot of people understand that, but being able to prove it in research and see those numbers on farms across the state is going to be really critical for some farmers to help them make that decision. I do think it's important to mention before we stop talking about seeding rate that dropping your seeding rate is not gonna work necessarily on every, every acre of your farm. And we've seen that some of these heavier clay soils, if you drop your seeding rate too far, you lose um, your emergence ability if you have specific weather conditions. We have one location where we have a, a dark, heavy muck soil, and actually the seeding rate trials for soybean there perform a lot more like corn because as you increase seeding rate, that soil supports those beans better. So I think that's one of the really key aspects of e-fields is that you can look and find trials in locations similar to your conditions and understand maybe 90% of the time dropping your seeding rate works, but if you're in that 10%, that could be a critical mistake. So keeping an eye on conditions and knowing what you're working with in the field is really critical too, and hopefully eFields provides that. Yeah, and that's a great point too. Rather than just see the results and dive into it, um, do some strips on your own farm. Do some seeding rate trials, um, whether you want to do it on your own or work with your local extension educator. Um, rather than make that switch over, see what does work best for you. And I think that's one of the benefits of the of e-fields as well is, you know, farmers, the university has conducted research trials for a long period of time. And the closest one to us, which isn't all that far, but, it, you know, it's a bit of a distance, is, is Worcester. So this project allows us to do something right here in the county uh, and, and look at it from our perspective locally, how are things reacting and, and what are some of the 
the things we're seeing. So Chris, besides seeding rate, do you have a favorite trial in the report? The seeding rates is the one that I'm most familiar with. Uh, I do have one of my cooperators this year as we were harvesting, we were talking about um, his comment was, well, if I get to do this next year, my comment was, it's not if, it's we're definitely going to do something. But they're really excited about it and um, they want to continue with the seeding rates, but also looking at some fertilizer placement uh, and some differences in that. And so I think that's something that we can expand upon locally and, and add some more research to the, the project as well. That's fantastic. I know I get really excited seeing both our educators and our farmers get excited to dive into research and learn more. And it is, it's good. They've got um, you know, folks that I've worked with, they're very willing to support the research. They understand the importance of it. They use it. They talk to their neighbors and friends and, and spread the word and, and are really happy to be a part of it. So Chris, if someone's on the fence about being on-farm research, either with Ohio State or on their own, what would you tell them to help encourage them to, to take the dive? It's not something that's going to take a lot of extra time or effort to do. Uh, it's an opportunity to, if there's a particular question that a person has, uh, you either do that on their own or work with uh, their extension educator. Um, through this, this project, you know, if they can answer those specific questions they might have. Again, it gives a local perspective. We can, we can say that this research was done in Tuscarawas County, and these are the results that we saw on this farm and how they compared to other projects, other research plots that were conducted across the state. Um, so it gives them that opportunity. And then it also, I think they, they appreciate the fact that what they're doing locally is contributing to a statewide effort. And, and again, supporting from the work that, that OSU Extension does. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time to chat with us today. I know I really appreciate the work that you're doing in Tuscarawas County, and I think that your local folks do also. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, uh, and we're looking forward to doing some new projects uh, in 2019. So next, we're going to talk with um, Eric Reeker, the Fulton County Ag Extension Educator and one of the farmers he worked with, Scott Conrad with Conrad Farms, and talk to them about why they have gotten involved with the fields. So Eric, why don't you start us off with why you decided to participate in eFields? Uh, good morning. I, I have been doing some on-farm research for almost since I came to Extension in 2012, starting with the 2013 production year and just really enjoy research protocol and, and helping farmers lay out uh, what is what is a, a complete and thorough research project. And so eFields uh, kind of helped standardize that uh, across the state, and that's what I really appreciate. And Scott, what inspired you to want to do on-farm research? Uh, <clears throat> I enjoy doing it. I like, I like doing it on my farm. Uh, sometimes you worry the research you get out of seed companies uh, might be skewed a little bit. Uh, seems like their own uh, research never fails to benefit them. Uh, when I do it on my own farm, I have a trustworthy uh, person here in Eric that I can trust to do it right through the state and, and through eFields and uh, come up with my own data that I know is true to my farm, my system, the way I do uh, my crop rotating and my uh, tillage. And uh, it's true to my system. I, and I like that approach. 
think it helps farmers grow, growers and improve their their efficiency with uh, you know with what they're doing with their resources whether those are financial resources and nutrient resources seed resources and uh, that translates into hopefully translates into good economics yeah absolutely um, so Scott you mentioned that you like to do the research on your own because it helps you understand what's going to fit with your system. And this year you had one of our, one of the more unique seeding rate trials where your soybeans were planted in 30 inch rows. So would you like to talk a little bit about that trial? I know it's going to be really popular because a lot of people are, have been asking if we had anything in wide rows. So would you like to share a little bit about that trial? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been planting 30 inch rows oh, since I started farming. Uh, I don't do all my crops in 30 inch rows, uh, bean wise, but I do uh, probably a third of them. And uh, I, I do the 30 inch rows to reduce my population. Uh, I've always been planting around 130,000 seeds per acre. And I've wondered whether or not that was too thick or too thin. Um, uh, I like the 30 inch rows. I like to be able to get the air movement through the rows, the wind. I like the, the beans to be able to bush more. Um, for the last five or six years, six years now running with this year, I've had uh, 30 inch rows have been my best soybeans. Uh, I can reduce my seed costs uh, and, and increase the, uh, <laughs> we've been getting such monstrous rains and uh, weird weather events in the area. I like to be able to get that sunshine down in, dry that ground out a little bit help control some of the disease. Uh, the airflow through the crop, I think, seems to help a little bit better, at least in my own mind, I guess. Um, but the, the biggest thing is the economic impact now, pushing me uh, with the seed, seed costs going higher. Uh, I can reduce my seeding rates, still be very competitive, and I've proven that uh, I, can, I can out yield my drilled beans and uh, still hold in there where I want to be yield-wise. Yeah, that's excellent. White mold is definitely an issue up in your part of the state in southern Michigan. So, you know, population is a yeah. good way to protect against that threat. Yes, very much so. Uh, I have several fields that do have a concern of white mold in them. And by putting my 30-inch rows in there, I have uh, really uh, seen very, very little impact of white mold now with those, in, in these, these specific, specific fields. All right. So what seeding rates did you test in your trial? Uh, we tested a range of uh, 70,000 seeds per acre, 100,000 seeds per acre, 130,000, 160,000, and 190,000. Uh, and we replicated that five times across the field. And I know Eric was going to ask how comfortable I was planting 70,000 seeds per acre. Uh, and at the time, I was not... Uh, it was it was a toss up. Uh, I wondered. I'm like, my gosh, that's half of what I usually plant. But uh, visually, you could not see a difference. Um, and when the combine went through them at the end, it, it turned out to be uh, a very good trial. Uh, they they yielded right there with everything else that we put out there. I, I would do it again if I had to. It was not a, it was not an issue at all. I I think. I, what about 190? What was what were you? Was it fair to say you were equally as uncomfortable planting 190? Yeah. I mean, it was unnecessary, yeah. unnecessarily right. level, uh, you know, just the opposite of the 70. And Correct. And so I think when you talk about those middle three rates, those are rates that uh, not only Scott, but maybe a lot of the growers across the state would be comfortable with. But to push, you know, that's one of the nice things about doing a standardized trial is 
is you have somebody, whether that's he field, the local educator pushing that, that, that top rate and that bottom rate. Well, it was fun to see. We were, uh, you know, 3.1 bushel difference across the whole, the whole, whole trial at Scott's, you know, and, and, uh, at lowest, uh, lowest rate was, was nine tenths of a bushel, uh, about a bushel, bushel less than the 100,000 seed rates. But, uh, if you, if you punch the economics with, uh, you know, 37 cents per, per thousand seeds is the, the factor that we used, you know, it was, it was the best return to seed was at that lowest rate. I don't know. Scott can maybe answer if, if he, if he do that, you know, if you, despite it being the, the most best economics, I'm not sure if we can, we can uh, encourage growers to, to go out and plant that low every, every year, but it was very eye opening. Yeah, that's my question, Scott, is how comfortable are you going back in at a low rate like that? Um, obviously <laughs> this year was an exceptional growing year. Correct. Uh, and when we put them in the ground, I want, I think they were planted the, uh, I know they were right around uh, Memorial Day weekend there, I think maybe the day after Memorial Day or so, but uh, I got really lucky. I mean, we put them in the ground. We had nice heat, nice moisture. They popped right up and took off. At 70,000, uh, I don't think I would be quite as comfortable probably in a typical year because I'm on the heavy clay soils here and I do tend to get crusted in. Um, I like, I would be, I would be comfortable doing the 100 to 110, 120,000. Uh, they're right in a row. My my planter drops them very consistently, and they have each other to help uh, you know push up through that row. But uh, you start dropping seventy thousand seeds, you're you're spreading them out a little more. I think um, if you could get them out of the ground and grow, you're fine. But if you get a hard rain, I think you'd probably be in a little bit of trouble, and that would scare me a little more. So yeah, definitely, Scott. I mean, we're so grateful that you take the time to work with us because. I know we learn so much from working with you and it sounds like you're learning a lot about your farm also. Yes, I do. I, I enjoy, I enjoy doing the work. Um, it, it never helps to keep brushed up and educate yourself on what works the best and kind of stay on the edge of the technology and what's going on. Um, I like working with Eric and uh, I've learned a lot through the uh, nitrogen trials and uh, this was a kind of an eye opener here to me. Um, I always thought I was on the bottom edge of where I needed to be the way it was, but uh, apparently I'm not. According to this trial, I can drop down a little more, and uh, I think I will. I, well, I'm going to. I'm going to drop my planter to at least. Uh, I'm going to try 110 on a certain variety this year, and I'm going to probably plant the rest of them around 1, 118, 120 right now. So with uh, with the uh, idea of probably going a little bit lower, possibly in the future yet. So. Excellent. Now, Eric, I know you do a lot more trials just besides seeding rate. Would you like to talk a little bit about some of the trials that you have going on with other cooperators in Fulton County? So uh, Elizabeth, I'm fortunate to work with uh, a number of great cooperators like Scott. Uh, I would say the, the majority, outside of seeding rate trials, the majority of my work comes uh, in 4-hour in nutrient management. So we have some uh, interesting studies going on right now, uh, one with the grower uh, on corn nitrogen source um, and a subsurface placement of, of four different nitrogen sources at side rest is kind of interesting and, and any fields. Uh, we've also done, uh, finished a three-year study on late timing of nitrogen. So um, that, that study, I think, is, is going to be interesting for guys to look at. 
uh, value the three years of data so that the growers can make a, a very informed and kind of temporal or, or over time kind of take, take that information and make a good decision. Um, and of course, we always do a, a nitrogen rate study. And so uh, that, that's all been plugged into uh, Dr. Coleman's uh, maximum return to nitrogen calculator. And, and we're really encouraging guys to use that. So, and then uh, the other one, two, two other ones, uh, corn starter phosphorus rate where we're using, this is a three-year study as well, zero pounds of, of uh, 1034 or zero pounds of, of P205 as 1034 and 28 pounds. So kind of a zero rate and, and a 28 pound rate, kind of the, the grower's normal rate. We've done that for three years and that that information is also published in, in e-field this year and we're excited about it. And lastly, one of the, the more interesting trials I think this year because uh, winter barley has become a hot topic is is what what growers can expect to yield. Of course, this is just one year data, but what growers can expect to yield uh, with winter malting barley and, and then following following it with uh, double crop soybeans and how they compare with a first crop check or looking the other way, a double crop after wheat check. So those are the trials that I'm, I'm really excited about. Most of them are published in uh, e-fields. So Scott, was this your first year involved? Uh, 2016, yeah. you did a corn nitrogen yeah, trial. Yeah, 2016, I did corn nitrogen trial. Uh, with different rates, but um, this was my first year involved with a soybean trial. So what are you thinking going forward? Interested in doing it some more years um, or maybe some different trials? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm open to uh, anything Eric usually ever asks me to do as far as a trial or a, like I say, I like staying on the edge of the technology and kind of what, what needs to be looked at and uh, the two things he has come to me and asked me to do, I have been very interested to do on my uh, my own farm. Uh, I currently am looking into or uh, putting on some um, optic eyes on my anhydrous applicator for uh, further use in nitrogen to put on my, to top dress my wheat to on my sprayer and then put on my anhydrous applicator. Uh, so that might be a, a topic in the future that I will uh, discuss with Eric and try to do, maybe do some trials in. Put it, we're, we're putting in a plug for a uh, corn nitrogen rate protocol with a uh, with a sensor strip. I think we could probably work on that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of working with you guys is sometimes you come up with, with questions that are very useful for farmers that I would maybe never think of. So that's one of the, the neatest things is that the interaction where we, we get to work together to find these answers. So to wrap up, we have, we've got one more question for each of you. Um, we'll, we'll start with Scott. Scott, why would you encourage other farmers to participate in on-farm research? Well, I think it. I think you need to bring it back to your farm. Every farm is different. Every farmer, the way they do things, is different. And uh, from your tillage to your your the seed you purchase and the the, the way you put it in the ground. And uh, I I don't think there's any better way to to get a good conclusion than other than on your own farm. I mean, the way you do things is going to be it, it, it's different. So um, you bring it back home to your farm, and you're gonna you're gonna know if it works for you or not. Eric, do you have anything you'd like to add as to why you would encourage farmers to participate? 
Well, I, I reiterate what Scott said, making it kind of your own and your own farm. And, and furthermore, it's, it's really never been easier to do on-farm research with the technology that, that a lot of farmers have in their, uh, in, in their tractors, combines, planters. And so, uh, you know, there's lots of data out there. And if you uh, educate yourself a little bit about your technology, you can, you can turn, uh, you, you can have a research trial on every, every farm and still have pretty good harvest efficiency. Um, so that's that's one of the things, just making it your own and, and uh, using the technology that will hopefully translate into good good economics for 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 your farm's sustainability. And really, I think a lot of people get scared too when they talk about doing an on-farm trial and uh, how do you do it from start to finish. But it's very easy uh, working with Extension. Eric and his team they laid it right out. They they brought me what I needed to do. Um, you know that's what I. I I'm good at running my equipment and planting my crop and harvesting my crop, but a lot of times I don't want to take the time for the paperwork and the uh, laying things out. And uh, with Eric and them doing all of that for me, it, it makes it so simple. On the farmer's end, if you have somebody to work with that does a good job, uh, it makes it a really easy process to do. It, it's not difficult at all. It just it requires a little bit of time. Well, we most definitely appreciate the time that you spend to work with us, Scott. None of this effort would be possible without the farmers like you that work with us. And we are, we're incredibly grateful for that opportunity. And then well, thank you. Yeah. And then thank you guys both for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, I'm really excited. Make sure you check out the report today and see for yourself what Scott and Eric have learned on their, on their farm. Thanks Elizabeth, Amanda. So hopefully that gives you a good overview about the content in the report and you're as excited as we are about downloading or getting yourself a print version to check it out. If you're interested in learning more about your local results or even chatting with some of the educators or farmers who are currently participating, you will have that opportunity at four meetings that we have scheduled in February across the state. So the, these are four regional meetings. The first one is going to be in Southwest Ohio in Wilmington on February 13th. The second is in Northwest Ohio in Wauseon on February 20th. The third meeting is in Eastern Ohio in Massillon on February 27th. And the final meeting is in West Central Ohio in Piccawa on February 28th. If you're interested in learning more about those or attending, you can get more information on the eFields website Again, the link for that is go.osu.edu efields, and you can also register for the meeting at that site. Yeah, we hope to see you guys out there and get a chance to talk with farmers and listen to a panel of them um, talk about their trials, so it should be a very interesting um, and educational day. Yeah, another highlight of that day is if you're interested in getting involved and you have some ideas for trials that maybe we're not doing, we will have time to chat about issues that you guys are interested in getting answers to. Yeah, a lot of extension educators are interested in working with farmers and doing research, so um, don't be afraid to approach them um, in your county and ask if it's possible. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for listening in. Make sure you check out the report, and hopefully we'll see you this winter at some of our upcoming meetings. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. 
Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.